Romans 8, 31 through 39. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah! Lord, nothing, nothing can separate us from your love. This morning, Lord, we pray that as your word comes forth, that we would be convinced that what you have said, you meant. And what you said you would do, you will do because our confidence is in you who has always been faithful so Lord we pray Lord today we know that you have time we pray Lord that you would bring us into this moment Mm. this moment right now where you are speaking where you are breaking strongholds where you are bringing us into a closer relationship with you, Lord. Bring us into this moment where you are right now, Lord. We welcome you into this place, and by this place we mean our hearts. We ask, Lord, that as Jonathan brings your word, the power of your spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, would move forth in the hearts of all those who hear, would help us to take our next step with you. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. And we submit to you in obedience because, Lord, you are good. And simply stated, you are God. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. And together we say, amen. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Look, mom, it looks like a mom yelling. I love my daughter, and kids say the darndest things. Um, Maybe you are like us, and you have some interesting mornings, and you have a daughter that shares your humor, 
and likes to get subtle jabs at mom, and so she eats her toast, and what she says look like a mom yelling. You know, a couple of years ago, Trisha and I decided to um, start capturing these different quotes and different things from our kids, and then Trisha had this great idea that it would be even better to start collecting the best ones from the year and to group them um, with pictures, and then we turn them into a, a calendar that we give out at the holidays. You know, and as cute as my kids are, they can sometimes dominate the conversation at mealtimes when all I want to do is catch up with Trisha and see how her day went. But then I'm reminded that the person controlling the conversation is not necessarily the one who's doing all the talking, but the one asking the questions. Claudette, Mom, have you ever been here before? Trisha, you mean our house where we live? Yep. Have you ever been here before? I mean, afraid? You mean overthinking? You mean feeling undervalued or feeling unloved or mean being ashamed of some situation in your life, or you mean overwhelmed, you mean feeling like the whole world is against you? Yeah. What I have found is not only do the questions control our conversations, but they also control our destinations and lives. And for some of us, the constant barrage of life has left us in some fearful places. It's left us in some confused places. The barrage of lies have left us in some depressed places, some lonely places, some burdened places. And it's easy to find yourself in that place when you've heard difference. For instance, in, in Psalm 44, 1 through 3, it states, Oh God, we have heard it with our own ears. Our ancestors have told us of all you did in their day in Days long ago, you drove out the pagan nations by your power and gave all the lands to our ancestors. You crushed our enemies and set our ancestors free. They did not conquer the land with their swords. It was not with their own strong arm um, that you gave them victory, but it was with your right hand and your strong arm and the blinding light from your face that helped them. For you loved them. And then we get things like Romans 8, 28 that says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. Mom, are you a mom? I roll. Yes. No. You're a queen. Have you ever answered a question from frustration? See, often our frustrated answers are replies and responses to what we feel are ill-intentioned questions. If you tell me that everything in my life is going to work out for my good and that my end destiny is to become this, then I might answer um, Paul's um, question in verse 31. <laughs> When he says, and what then shall we say to such wonderful things with an eye roll? But if you knew that when Paul says that God knew his people in advance, 
if you knew that when Paul said that, that he meant that God has set his love on us even before we existed. When he says that he chose them to become like his son, that he meant that those that God had set his love on, even before they existed, that he also set their end to be like his son, reign my king. When Paul talks about being called, he ain't talking about some mystical thing where you find out what you're supposed to be doing as a part of some program. He is saying that God had worked out a plan where all those whom he set his love on before time ever existed and have destined to reign in glory like his son, that he, they would be drawn to him and that he would be just what they liked and that he would put a hole in their heart that only he would feel and that they would be um, groaning for him and him alone and that everything else in this world would leave them wanting for something more. When Paul talks about giving those whom he set his love on even before they existed, the same ones destined to reign like his son, the same ones that he's planted something in to ache and moan for him a right standing. He is saying that he made the one who will judge them um, also their lawyer and also their bell paying big brother for those whom he loves. There's nothing that can mess up his plan for their lives. And, and for those whom he has a plan for, for those whom he loved ever, ever since time began, even before time ever began, he destined to reign, to ache for something more than in this world. And we have a divine advocate. We have a compassionate judge. And we have a bell-paying big brother. And he gave them his glory. Now, some of us are going to read that way too fast. Paul wrote all these things in the past tense. God loved you before you loved him. God had a plan for your life that's greater than you can ever fathom. Before you ever prayed one prayer, before you ever remembered one Bible verse, before you ever sang one song, before you ever did one act of service, before you ever um, uh, gave one dollar, God made a plan that was oopsie proof, that was all shuck proof. That was a dumpster fire proof. That was bad decision after bad decision after bad decision after bad decision proof. And I'm going to tell you why this is so good. That in God's eyes, your glory is not some savings bond waiting to mature, but glory is done. Glory is finished. Glory got up. Glory returned home. Glory is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Glory is planted by the stream. Glory conquered sin, death, in the grave. Glory, glory, glory. I was telling the worship team a little bit ago that sometimes you'll pay a lot of money to go and learn what your grandma told you all along. I was in seminary getting my master's in, in a theology class, and they taught me about this phrase called ex nihilo. And what it simply means is that God can create out of nothing. And see, if you've ever read Job's story, then you know that the enemy is always up to something. And when you have a gap in your life, that you're always hoping that something happens. But I'm thankful that for all the situations and circumstances in my life, that he is God all by himself, as my grandma used to say, and that he can create and he can fix and he can bridge over out of nothing. 
Now, let me go back. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? What shall we say, church? And since now we're in the right frame of mind, I have a couple more questions for you. Why do you fear? Claudette, mom, is God in control? Trisha, yes, love. Claudette responded, well, that means that God is the boss. Paul is not saying in our text for this morning that the Christian will not experience opposition. Just that no opposition ever overcomes him. Because while the struggles that we face are big, the God in us is even bigger. He's not saying that no one will ever oppose us, just that nothing that opposes us can obstruct God's good purposes for our lives. When you start believing in the promises of God, you stop trying to bubble wrap your life because Jesus becomes your safe place. Jesus is your ark. Jesus is the old ship of Zion. Jesus is the way that we get over and the way we get through. He's what we stand under when the life is pouring down on us. Now, once I was with some friends in uh, in my neighborhood when I was growing up, and we had laid down our bikes to, to go throw rocks in the creek. And some older, uh, bigger boys came up on us while we were throwing rocks in the creek, and they were standing over by our bikes, and they started admiring our reflectors, and, and they started looking at them, and they had picked up our bikes, and then one of the boys all of a sudden said, hey, aren't you Troy's brother? And I said, yes. And he laid my bike back down. And his friend asked him, he said, why did you lay the bike back down? And he told him, he said, now, um, you know that shooting that we always hear by our house at nighttime? Yeah, let's keep walking. See, in Psalm 23, David found himself in a dark place in the valley of the shadow of death. And he said, I will have no fear because the shepherd who is with me is greater and better than anything howling out there in the darkness waiting for me. And so you keep running from your next step because to get to where God wants you to be in life, you have to go through a dark place. When are you going to start believing that God is the boss? Next question. Why do you worry? Claudette, around 6 p.m. while we're shopping for her mom's birthday gift, past her normal dinner time, says, I guess we're not going to get any food today. (laughs) And I answer back from the front seat, have I ever let you go hungry? And she replied, no. You know, right now, Trisha and I are paying someone to help us declutter and reduce the amount of material goods we have on this earth. And as a part of the process, it's selling things on Marketplace. And let me tell you something. If you ever want to know what something is really worth, put it up for sale. 
that family heirloom that's priceless to you is worth exactly what somebody else is willing to pay for. That A-Team and Thundercats DVD collection is not as valuable as you thought it was. I just want to let you know that. God sacrificed Jesus to redeem you. And that should change how you process what God is doing with you. Why would God make this kind of investment in you and then not supply you what you need to accomplish his will in your life? Why would God rescue you from sin and then not help you in your marriage? Why would God send his Holy Spirit to live inside of you and then withhold wisdom in your parenting of your kids? Relax, my friend. God has more invested in your life than you have invested in your own life, and he has more to lose if you fail than you have to lose. Luke 12, 32 says that it brings God great happiness to give you the kingdom. Do you believe that? A third question. Why do you identify as condemned? Me from the restroom. Who's the last one um, in the restroom brushing her teeth? Claudette yells out from the living room. It was Silas. Silas was the last one in there. That good job, son, for putting the cap back on the toothpaste. Claudette responds back. No, it was me. I was the last one in the restroom. First John 1.19 states, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Remember, the judge is also your lawyer and also your big brother. The judge is just. Your lawyer is the best one available. And your big brother has already told the judge me for him. It's been paid. When we go around feeling guilty about something that God has already forgiven us for, it's like us trying to break back into prison because we don't feel like we deserve to be free. Right now, if you get on Zoom or receive an email, it's hard to receive one where somebody doesn't identify the pronouns by which they identify with. Far too many Christians go around identifying as guilty and unforgiving when they should identify as redeemed and forgiven. And our last question for this morning. Why do you feel unloved? Toby, one day at the table, just says, you know what, Dad, right now the devil is out in the world, but one day he'll be locked up. Claudette said, Daddy, will the devil try to kill me? And I told her, baby, he's already tried, and it didn't work. The very definition of death is separation. When we physically die, our bodies are separated from our souls. Those who suffer eternal death, they're separated from the presence of God. Throughout this life, the believer will face trouble and hardship 
and persecution. They'll suffer famine and nakedness and danger. The Christian life often feels like a death by a thousand cuts. And at times it can feel like the enemy is trying to take you out with one last death blow. And so the central question of the Christian life, the one that brings about all our doubts and our tensions and our worries and our fears is this. Is there anyone or anything that can separate me from Christ's love for me? And Paul's answer is a resounding no. As a matter of fact, he says that in every trouble, in every heartache, in every tribulation, in every trial, in every doubt, Christians have overwhelming victory. Why? Because God does not lose any of those whom he sets his love on. Why? Because God is always working for the good of those whom he loved before they even existed. Why? Because he is in loving, supreme control of every aspect of human history. And so Paul is convinced in verse 38 that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, verse 39. Nothing in human experience, neither death nor life, verse 38. Nothing in the spiritual realm, neither angels nor demons, in verse 39. Nothing in time, neither the present nor the future. Nothing that opposes God, all powers. Nothing in space, neither height nor depth, in verse 39. Nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. Why? Because God simply loves us because he loves us. Not because of anything in us or around us. He simply loves us because he loves us. Have you accepted God's love for you? We begin to accept God's love for us when we do this thing called stepping across the line of faith. When we step across the line of faith, we place our trust solely in the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that in a second, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And I want to be clear, we're going to pray, but it's not the prayer that changes anything, it's Jesus Your prayer acknowledges what has already been done. We publicly declare the victory that we already have through a believer's baptism. And if you have not publicly declared the victory that you already have because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, that has made you more than a conqueror, I want to invite you to use the information on the screen or on the back of the seats so that we can take part in that. Here at Fellowship Highcrest, we celebrate baptism on the third Sunday of each month. And so we can help you take that step. We continually celebrate the victory 
that we've been offered that can only be found in Christ when we partake of the Lord's table. You don't have to be a partner of Fellowship Highcrest to take part in this act of remembrance. We just simply ask that only those who have stepped across the line of faith and profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior do so. We ask this because we don't want you to do anything that you don't agree with or anything that you don't understand. We also ask that you would wait and take the elements together with us. While the worship team sings, take a moment and consider what questions have been said in the course of your life.